Hi, I'm Gary. I'm an addict and alcoholic. Hi, Gary. Hi. And um, I want to thank Davio and you for asking me to speak tonight. Um, well, I guess to get started, a little bit about what it was like. Um, come from a broken home. My parents divorced when I was um, a baby. And I was a child of the welfare system. And we moved around a lot. And we moved around a lot. And, um, you know, I never felt settled. I never felt secure. I never felt safe. And um, I lived this way for a very long time. And my first experience with substance abuse was um, my father allowing me to get drunk. He was the first guy to get me high when I was about 14 or 15. And um, you know, I, I was so messed up when I was a kid that it actually kind of worked for me. It kind of worked for me and then it didn't work for me. So I don't know. I, uh, from marijuana, I graduated to Coke, Quaaludes and LSD and lots of drinking. And that's what I did. You know, every day became a three day weekend for me and getting high wasn't even an option. It was getting wrecked. And I lived this way for a long time. And what happened was, was as I was proceeding through life, while people were, were having relationships and having kids and buying houses and things like this, I was looking for drugs. And um, that's how I lived it. That's how I worked it. And, you know, I was a medium functioning marijuana addict medium functioning. I had a job. I kept a job, but, you know, everything else was a struggle. And uh, what happened was I, I started a business. I got a partner. I started a business. It lasted for a while. And then the business came crashing down and I became lost. I got depressed, more drugs and alcohol and more drugs and alcohol. And, um, you know, I was a mess. I was a complete mess. And what had happened is I had met somebody in the program and I didn't know that much about them. And they had referred me to a therapist and I went to uh, the therapist. She asked me if I got high <laughs> and, um, I said, just a little. And we kind of figured it out. And, you know, about 100 hours a week, I was stoned. And the other times I was sleeping, whether I was awake or not. And she suggested maybe I go to a meeting. And, you know, I, it took me a little while, but I, I started going to meetings. But I didn't get sober yet. It took me about three months 
of, of going to meetings and the meetings ruining my high. And uh, I went to these meetings and as weird as it sounds, I had set a date where I wasn't going to use anymore. And that date was uh, Father's Day, June 23rd, June 22nd, 1992. And um, it was very weird. I'm coming into this place and, you know, but you you guys might have been lovely people, but I was too freaked out. I'd go into meetings and I didn't want to share. I couldn't get small enough. I'd sit in the back row. And if somebody brushed against me, I'd jump. I was kind of green in pallor. I smoked cigarettes. I I was a mess. You know, I I was a... I came in there, I was a trash can addict. Anything that anybody had, I would do. It didn't even matter. My my great fortune was uh, heroin never came into my sphere of, of people who, who I knew. And um, But I was a mess. I was a junkie. I was a marijuana junkie. I was everything junkie. And living on life's terms was not an option because I couldn't deal with life. I couldn't deal with my emotions, which seemed to freak me out because, you know, bad mood, smoke a joint, good mood, smoke a joint, fear, anxiety, anything you could think of. I didn't need any excuse. And uh, so I got to the meetings and I was very judgmental because I was the most special addict in the world. Nobody lived my life. Nobody knew what I went through. No one was in my head. And I was like this for a couple of months and not feeling very good about anything. And, you know, you hear about contrary action. And what happened was, was I decided my way wasn't working like it usually didn't because I'm also a control freak and my will wasn't working and I was miserable. So something had to change because I was here and I wasn't getting high and something had to change. And you know, I decided to shut my mouth and just listen. You know, I listened to the God stuff, the spirituality and that freaked me out and, it all freaked me out and I shut my mouth and I listened and I got a sponsor and I started working the steps and it was, it was illuminating. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think of myself as having a, uh, being on a pink cloud when I first got sober, but my life was better. I was feeling better. Um, I've struggled with depression in my life and all of a sudden, I was on a pretty good run and I'd say, you know, I took the commitments. I, I, I was of service and, and it was good. And what happened was about seven years in or so my mom died and I got very pissed off and I got pissed off at God and I stopped going to meetings for a while. 
And if it wasn't for another member in our program, I might still be out there as a white knuckling marijuana addict. But fortunately, she got me back on track and I made friends and I learned to smile and I learned to laugh again. And, and all these things were happening. I had to go on antidepressants for a while, which I was on for a couple of years. It leveled me out and and everything's good. You know, my whole life, I try to avoid my feelings, my emotions. And those are the things I can't control. My behavior was another thing. And, you know, silly things like paying bills on time and doing dishes and taking out the trash became very important for me. Became very important for me because there was a time where I didn't do any of that stuff. Drugs, depression, couldn't do it, could not do it. And um, this contrary action, it's been a big thing in my life. You know, when I got here, I also had a problem with God because I wasn't an atheist, but I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I can have a, a story about when I I felt myself getting better, which I, I, I'm, I'm going back a little bit, but I must have had uh, five months, something like that. I, I don't know exactly know, but I go to this place, this juice place. I go, fresh squeezed carrot juice. And they go, sure. And they went in the refrigerator and they poured it. And I go, wait, you didn't grind it. And it took me about a minute to go, this is not what I want. And I gave it back. I said, I want my money back. I'm sorry, but this is not what I ordered. And that was the beginning of seeing the results as far as my self-esteem goes. Because when I got here, I had no self-esteem. And that showed me I had a teeny bit, which was something to work for. You know, when I got here, I thought I was hopeless, but I couldn't have been because I was in a meeting. I was going to meetings. So there must have been something there. Um, you know, I've sponsored people. I've I've been of service whenever anybody asks me to be of service, I'm of service. When I've had a chance to take a commitment, I've taken a commitment, I've secretaried meetings and, and I've taken out the trash at meetings and things like that. You know, what worked for for me has been trying to do what I was asked to do. You know, 12 steps. They're not 12 orders or 12 suggestions on how to live a better life. And those 12 suggestions have saved my life, have given me a better life. And there's a part of me that still wants to do this alone sometimes because I'm kind of a lone wolf. But I'm better when I don't do that. I'm better when I'm of service 
because I'm not thinking about myself, which once again gets me in trouble. So I get this time and I get more time and I get more time and, and I start doing other things too. You know, I'm going to these retreats. I'm I'm going to different programs. I'm going to different I'm exploring spirituality and things like that. And it took me a long time, but for most of my sobriety, it wasn't about, it was, it was a prayer by rote and there was no meditation. And then I kind of got involved with something about seven, eight years ago and I started meditating and meditating and praying along with the program, you know, I don't know how much my physical life has changed, but the life inside my head has changed. I told you before how I used to like to try and control things, which was the big joke I played on myself. And, uh, you know, that, that just never worked. And a month ago, my father died. And, you know, my mother passed away you know, 17, 18 years ago, my father is gone now. And my reaction to that is always to take over. And to, I, I don't know how you take over something like that. My, my, I always had a prickly relationship with my father. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to do other than to try and be there for him. Uh, I was an angered guy towards my father for a long time. He was probably the most self-centered person I've, I've ever known. He was a drug addict and alcoholic and he struggled in his life. And I was able to be there for him. Now, quite a few years ago, I had stopped talking to him. I stopped talking to him and, you know, after a while you kind of forget why you're even mad anymore. And I was in a meeting, I was in a book study and we were in the the 10th step and it talked about unreasonable expectations. And, you know, screwed up people come from screwed up people. And I understand that now, and I didn't understand that then. I kind of wanted, I wanted a dad. I wanted a TV dad. I wanted a dad that everybody else had, (laughs) right? Everybody else's dad was perfect. My dad wasn't. You know, that's what I told myself. And um, that's the dad I wanted. And I didn't have that, so I was pissed off. And I didn't open up. And sometimes I was sullen and all these things. So I read, I read this thing in the 10th step. This was in the 12 and 12 and um, about how unreasonable expectations lead to resentments. And boy, was I resentful. And I read this thing and this like this earworm happened. And it just kept on eating at me and eating at me. I hadn't talked to him in about eight years. And a week later, I called him up. 
and I said, it's been too long. And, you know, I love you and I'm going to try and stay in touch. And we stayed in touch. And from that moment on, I was able to love him. And that's the truth of it. And because of that, I was able to be there for him at the end. And, and let me tell you, um, it was not easy. You know, death and dignity are, are not like exclusive, you know, synonymous terms. So going through that was pretty freaking horrible, but I made it and I didn't try and control anything. And I just let things go. And, you know, my prayer was acceptance. Just let me accept things and however he goes, let him do it painlessly if at all possible. And it's not about my pain. It was about his pain. You know, I'm going to feel the way I feel. I can't control that stuff. But I was able to forgive him. That's probably the one of the biggest gifts I've gotten from the program. I don't have to carry stuff in my head and be angry and be resentful. And it's freed me. It freed me back then. It, it's freed me now. You know, he passed away and I am sad and I am grieving, but it's appropriate stuff. And, you know, I don't have to smoke a joint or, or whatever someone might do. I have to do that. Let's say I'll never do it again, but I didn't have to do it over this. What a gift. What a complete gift. It's, it's, it's been... It's been a hard road. And the longer you're in the program, the harder it gets because there are more temptations. As I get older, I'm 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 less tolerant of bullshit and and I want to be mad at everything and man, it's no way to live my life. It is no way for me to live my life. And I wouldn't suggest it for anybody. But you know. The way I am now, I couldn't have been five years ago or 10 years ago when I first got sober. I had to live this stuff. You know, I get things, as I like to call it, glacially. It takes me a long time to get stuff. But now that I'm where I'm at, man, I'm one grateful guy. I'm one grateful guy. And, and the fact of the matter is, I didn't do this alone. When I was out there, I surrounded myself by stoners and alcoholics. And now that I'm sober, I surround myself by sober people, recovered people. Man, what a difference that makes. But it's just, it's not easy, you know. It's not the drugs and the alcohol, staying away from that, that's not easy. It's, it's my head. You know, I, 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 my first... My first impulse is to act like I used to. Well, you know, I got this. I got this, but I don't. You know, I had to fire my God when I got here. That God was me. who thought I could control everything. I don't control anything. I don't want to control anything anymore. I want to be in acceptance. I, I had a few years ago, I lost some money 
in an investment and you know I, I it was with my brother and some other people and I didn't freak out over it I'm broke <laughs> I am so broke it's okay you know whatever happens happens but certain things that are out of my control and if I can't control them then I just have to put one foot in front of the other and keep going keep going keep going I don't do this by myself I don't always make the call I need to make but there are people around me I have this support system that I am so grateful for my brother and I kind of got sober at the same time he's got several months on me and um you know it's been a godsend we didn't grow up together but we couldn't be closer we couldn't be closer i can't imagine being any closer than i am with him now and i have friends and and you know it's just different it's different i i, I i'm more at ease i have people go you're you're more at ease and i don't get it because I feel like I have the same screwed up head sometimes. But I know I'm I'm more open and more forthcoming than I used to be. And if it's just a little bit more than I used to be, well, man, sometimes I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, um, my dad passed and... I have another brother who he's kind of away from us because my brother, the brother I was talking about were the sober ones. So it's kind of weird, but I took a couple of road trips with him to go visit our dad and, and it was all good. I've never been on better terms with my family than I am now. And I'm grateful for them and I love them. And I couldn't say that before. Cause I pushed everybody away, but I got that going for me. There's so many gifts of this program and what, what it comes down to is you got to do some work. I have to, I have to do some work. I have to do some work. I, I, I can, you know, I can't sit in the back of the room anymore and hope somebody doesn't pick me to speak because that wasn't getting me anywhere. And I haven't done the program perfectly. I don't know anybody who's done it perfectly, but incorporating those steps into my life has been a godsend. It's been the biggest thing that ever happened to me. And I feel like I, I got it on a fluke, you know, because if I hadn't gone to that therapist and they didn't say, well, I think you should check out a meeting. I don't know where I'd be. I could be dead. I was on my way to homelessness. I mean, like I said, it, it was a mess. I was a mess. My life was a mess. And I don't choose to live my life that way anymore. It's all about the love. It's all about the kindness. It's all about all those things that I never had in my life. And, um, I don't know how much more I've got to say. Um, if a guy like me, as messed up as I was, can get sober, I think anybody can. It's not easy. It was definitely, 
It wasn't a day at a time. Sometimes it was a breath at a time. Sometimes it was a breath at a time. I was telling somebody a story earlier today about how when I first got sober, I met some guy at a, uh, at a meeting and I had had enough time four, five, six months, whatever, to where I saw a guy who in my mind was more screwed up than me. So I decided I was going to try and help him. So he'd been going to meetings for, I don't know, a few weeks or something like that. I go, there's a newcomer's meeting. Let's meet so I can be of service. And the day of that meeting, I had the worst day of my life. The worst day of my life. That's all. I can't tell you anything more, but I just remember, oh, I'm not going. And then I remembered I'm meeting this guy. And... So I go to the meeting, even though I don't want to, because that's that's the old Gary. But the new Gary goes, I'm going to fulfill my commitment. And I go to this meeting. He doesn't show up. That mother so-and-so. <laughs> it probably kept me sober. Oh, it kept me sober for another day. And now, you know, I've got this time. And, you know. By not thinking about myself, by being selfless, I got to have another day sober. I hope I can live every day like that. And um, yeah, it just takes work. It just takes work and selflessness. And uh, I, I guess that's all I've got. Once again, I want to thank Davio and Marion for uh, asking me to share and uh, thank you all for listening.